0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you. Hopefully you're doing well. What a good morning it is. Um, My name is Nick Schreiber. Um, I'm the care pastor here at New City, and it's always a privilege to get to open up God's Word uh, for us. Um, And if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad that you're here. If you're watching online, we're glad you're joining us from wherever you are. Um, And I just say, um, just as reference to the video, our Christmas serve offering, um, I love being a part of a church that especially during this season is thinking about ways to, to bless others, to give to others, to come alongside our partners. And, um, and I'm super proud as a church that we get to uh, be a part of it. And I don't say that just as a pastor here, but as a fellow congregant, fellow church family member, um, I, I'm just grateful for the Christmas serve offering. So I invite you as well to think about this season, how you might give. Um, and, and so, so hey, I, I'm excited about stepping into to our passage this morning, step into this moment this morning, but I would ask us, uh, let's pray one more time, and we, let's ask the Lord's help during this time. Lord, we thank you. We pray that you would lead us now. Pray that you would quiet our spirits, focus our minds, and soften our hearts We thank you for your goodness and your grace and as we've gotten to sing already about your presence, about your Savior, about your love, may you bend our hearts in that way. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen. Imagine with me, if you would, a few scenarios. If you were to feel the saddest you've ever felt, if you were to be consumed with different fears in your heart, if you were to feel unloved and all alone in the world, but then in a moment you heard news that reversed every one of those feelings, how would you feel in that moment? where you'd feel relieved, you'd feel joy, you'd feel glad, you'd feel hope. Well, it's, it's this season that we celebrate that news, that news about that someone, that Jesus the Messiah has come, and you bring salvation into every one of those situations. But the Christmas season is complex, isn't it? In the midst of the Christmas season, we have tons of activities, tons of busyness, tons of toys, tons of distractions, and we even have tons of conflicting emotions all wrapped up in our hearts that seem to clutter this season, and if we're not careful, could cause us to miss the main thing, could cause us to miss those precious realities that I just mentioned. Now, and don't get me wrong, I love the Christmas season. This is my favorite season of the year. I love all the parties, I love the decor, I love the decorating, I love the movies, I love the gifts. There's certain toys I'm hoping for in this season. (laughs) I love all the parts, but again, the complexities that are a part of it, this season brings them. It gets us moving so fast. Our hearts bring them. It gets us wanting so much. And so here's a question for us. How do we prepare our hearts to receive Christ this, this Christmas? In the midst of all the complexities, how do we not miss him? Well, I'm going to offer an answer, or, or at least I'm going to offer what I think could be a starting place for you and I to get there. And and, we, and here it is. We, we, I, I believe that we need to get to a place where we can say and where we can feel and where I can believe that I am in desperate need of a savior. Do you think if you went through moments remembering this that it would help? Do you think that if that if this was the posture of our heart that it would keep things in perspective? What do you think when you read this phrase, I'm in desperate need of a savior? Could you say that? Sometimes we live our lives in such a way Or we go through our days in such a way that functionally I could be operating, I could be living like I don't need a Savior. Am I even living like I need Jesus? Or here's another question Who or what have I been trusting in to save me? What would my life show? Because the reality is we turn to all kinds of things to save us. We turn to people, we turn to things. It could be that relationship, it could be that, that job you're hoping for, it could be for more money, it could be that feeling that you're chasing. It could even be that we turn to our own goodness to save us. But here's the reality. Everything that you turn to that's not God will let you down and all those things that I just mentioned make lousy saviors. Here's the main thing, Jesus is Savior, and He is with us, and I need Him. Jesus is Savior, He is with me, and I need Him. And hopefully through our time today, your heart, your affections get drawn there. Today we're beginning, as we said, our three-part Christmas series called The Way in a Manger. And it's a, it's a, it's a series all about Jesus, in a, in a world that cl- claims or offers that there are many ways, that there's many, wa- many ways to life, many ways to joy, many ways to satisfaction, we would say, we believe, we claim that there is only one way. And he came by way of a manger. And he himself makes the claim that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And in this series, we, we want to have an accurate reflection of him, Jesus was not just a good man. Jesus was not just a revolutionary. Jesus was not just a way, but through this series, we'll see that he is Savior, he is shepherd, and he is king. And you can even see those icons to help us remember that. He is Savior, he is shepherd, and he is king. And again this morning, we'll focus on Jesus is Savior. So if you have a copy of the Scriptures, I'd love for you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be spending the next few weeks here in the Gospel of Matthew through, through Matthew's account. Um, it's the first book of the New Testament. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 this morning. Um, and we'd love for you to turn there. Also, if you're using the app, the passage will be preloaded there in the sermon notes. If you would, though, would you stand while I read the Word of the Lord to us today? Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, here's the word of the Lord to us. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord to us today. You may be seated. So what's going on? What's what's happening in the passage? Well, we see that Mary and Joseph they're engaged to be married. Congratulations to them. They're, they're engaged. Um, but engagement in that time and culture was far more binding than it, than it is in our time. In those times, engagement was a, a solemn contract between parties. And, and once engaged, the couple was legally bound to each other and, and they were considered married, even though they were not married in the fullest sense yet. The engagement, Process lasted a year, and it culminated in this week-long marriage festivities, and then consummation. And the bride would then go and live with her husband. So at this point in the story, they were not living in the same house; they had not had sex together. But Mary is found to be with child. How does that happen? And Joseph wants to call it quits. And it makes sense. I mean, what would you think if you were this 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 engaged? Spouse or husband, how else could this happen? I mean, it's not like virgin births were common. Um, (laughs) And so he's probably really hurt and confused. But there's also this believability, this sincerity in in Mary's words and in her explanation, but he's stuck. But because he's a righteous man, he chooses to divorce her quietly, which actually is a kind and gracious decision because legally for a woman to be um, to be determined as being unfaithful or having committed adultery in that time it could have been caused for stoning and yet he chooses to divorce her quietly he chooses to go that route and and it's into all of this that the angel of the lord speaks and man praise god for the angel i'm sure joseph is like oh thank you because again what a what a situation And in the verses that follow, we'll see in this passage, this passage speaks to the miracle of Jesus, speaks to the name of Jesus, and speaks to this amazing description of Jesus. And that becomes our outline for our passage. So let's talk about the miracle, the miracle of Jesus. You know, there are some in our world that attempt to strip away all the supernatural from Jesus. And so they edit out the virgin birth. They edit out the miracles of Jesus. They edit out the resurrection. They reduce him to just being a really good man with a lot of good teachings that changed the world. But we can't do that. And we sit, as we sit in this passage, we can't downplay the importance of how Jesus' birth came to be. We can't downplay the importance of this key tenet of our faith, the virgin birth. Or more accurately, we would just say that it's the miraculous conception. And two times in our passage we see that the angel of the Lord speaks to Joseph and explains to him and says, the baby came about through the power of the Holy Spirit, verse 18. Verse 20, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So this remarkable thing happened in the only way that it could, through a supernatural, powerful act of God. Now, you can imagine the thoughts and confusion to Joseph and even to us. I mean, it gets our minds spinning And please know that there's definitely mystery laced throughout, but why did it have to happen this way? Why did the Savior's birth have to come about like this? Because it did need to happen this way. This is the way in a manger, and here's why. Man cannot save himself. Salvation must come from the Lord. And we've seen what happens when man tries to save himself. Everyone does what's right in their own eyes and it leads us to darkness. It leads us away from God. And so we needed one that was unique from us to come to us in order to rescue us. We needed one that was unique from us, that was not of us, but chose to become like us in order to save us. We needed one who was fully God, born of the Holy Spirit, and fully man, born of Mary, so that at the same time, he would be this unique God, man, the unique, the only unique one able and qualified to redeem us from our sins. He had to be fully God so that he can live sinlessly, so that he could be the perfect sacrifice, so that he could carry the full weight of, of our sin and the sins of the whole world because only an infinite God could carry the weight of sin, of all sin, for all, uh, for, of all time, And he also had to be fully God so he could intercede forever. He wouldn't die like the priests of old. And it was necessary that our Savior be fully man so that he could live the life we were intended to live but fulfill all righteousness, to be perfect, to be sinless, to fulfill the law. And so he also needed to be fully man so that he could die in our place as our substitute, the death we deserve to die. And so through this awe-inspiring miracle, the union of Christ humanity and his divinity, his divine nature and his human nature come together and take place in one person through this miraculous conception. And this miracle of Jesus leads us to worship and it leads us to trust. You know, it's, it's interesting when, as you try to explain the virgin birth to people, <laughs> you know, oh, how do you explain, you know, but, but I would say when we talk about it, my encouragement to you is to is talk about the wonder, to talk about the amazement, to talk about how, 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 how awesome it is that God became a, became a baby because it, in, it invokes this, this idea of, of this astonishing miracle that God would do this. I love C.S. Lewis in, in, in his Narnia book, uh, The Last Battle. He, he writes this, that once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. And, and we talk about the virgin birth. It does move us to go, wow. But, also, but it also inspires and leads us to trust. When you watch Mary, when you watch Joseph and the way they trust the Lord for this miracle. And when, when you oftentimes in this story, when you talk about the virgin birth, the way that, that the Lord speaks to them and says, hey, nothing is impossible with God. This is from my power. And God's power, when we talk about his power, he can do all things. And so why, why can't this happen? And it moves us to go, we trust you. You can. You can't strip away the supernatural. It's the entire thing. This this Christmas story is about the supernatural breaking into the natural. And so the angel comes to Joseph, gives him permission and encouragement to marry. And then in verse twenty one we see that this child shall be named Jesus. Look at verse twenty one, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. If this verse, if there is a verse to make central in our hearts this Christmas, it's this one. Name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So the angel gives Joseph the name and gives him the reason for it. The name Jesus actually means the Lord saves or Yahweh saves, which is perfectly appropriate because of what he will do. And I love how it goes on goes ahead and tells us what he will save us from. Oftentimes when you talk about saving, it begs a question, what is he saving us from? And the pattern of the Lord, the pattern of all of Scripture is that the Lord is always saving his people. He's saving us from slavery. He's saving us from this person or this thing or this nation. The Lord saves is a part of who he is, but we see in this context, he points to the main thing that this Messiah, the Savior, will do. He will save us his people from their sins. That's the fundamental purpose of what Jesus is coming to do to save us from our sins. It's not com- He's not coming to save us from Roman tyranny or oppression, as many thought. He wasn't coming to save them from enemies or their hard circumstances. It was about saving them from something far deeper and something far more harmful, their sins. Our sin is our greatest need. Sin keeps me from God. Sin separates me from God. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is God's wrath. Sin brings pain, it brings brokenness. Sin will always leave us discontent, longing for more but those won't be satisfied. Sin moves us away from the center of all that's good and right. And the Lord knows what our greatest need is and he sends us a savior that might save us. The religious system of that day couldn't do it. Their efforts, our efforts can't do it. Your self-improvement, your willpower, your strategies can't save you from your sin. Only Jesus can do that. It's interesting, though, how often we wanna be saved from everything else except for our sin. Lord, would you save me from, from this situation? Would you save me from this relationship? Would you save me from this particular fear? Would you save me from this diagnosis? But when Jesus comes, Jesus says, I'm gonna save them from what is their greatest need. I'm gonna save them from their sin. And what's, what's so comforting for us, though, is that because we know the Lord knows our greatest need, we can also know and trust him that he knows all of our other needs and he's intimately aware of them. And because I know that he he went to the greatest extent to save me from my greatest need, I also know that he will help me, he will be with me in all my others as well. And as the Lord comes as savior, that which was promised long before comes true. And Matthew, the gospel writer, he helps us connect the dots here in verses 22 and 23 as we move into this description In Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, he references this Old Testament prophecy given 500 years prior by the prophet Isaiah, and we see it in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And and in that passage, there's this prophecy that there will be a sign that's given when the Messiah comes. And And in the same passage, there's this sign, but there's also this description of who he will be. And in verses 22 and 23 of Matthew, he quotes Isaiah's words. He says, All this occurred to, to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, that's the sign. The Lord himself will give you a sign that the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And so Matthew is going, hey, hey, everybody, this is happening. This is the one who was spoken about. This is the promised one. And they will call him Emmanuel. This is his description, which means God is with us. And you see in this passage, one of the most encouraging, one of the most profound, one of the most unique descriptions of Jesus, of our God, that he is with us. And some of us this morning, myself included, need to remember that he is with us. He's with us now. He's here. There's no greater privilege than God being with us, the word becoming flesh. He chose to be with us because of his love. Sally Lloyd-Jones, who wrote the the Jesus Storybook Bible, she also wrote a children's book called Song of the Stars. And in that book, she writes this phrase. He says, the one who made us, has come to live with us. And I love that. What an incredible moment. What an incredible truth. And just as he knows our greatest need, we see in his name, Emmanuel, we see him responding to one of our greatest fears. I believe that one of the core fears of our heart is that we're all alone. That, that no one good is coming for us. I mean, could you imagine walking outside, you look around, you look at the sky, and you go, there's no one, there's no one here. There's no God. Who is he? And, and we have this fear, this fear that's innate of we're lost and we're hurting, but no one cares And there's no one good that's coming for us. And in the incarnation, in God being with us, we see God's resounding response to those fears. I am present. I have not abandoned you. He is close to me. That he is there in my moment. He has come to us. And and I don't know if you've ever comforted someone who's afraid, but what's one of the most go-to responses when your are comforting. saying, I'll be with you. I'll stay here with you. I'll, I'll, I'll hold your hand. I mean, that's what the Lord's doing, and he's saying, I am with you in this moment, and I'll stay with you. This is what God does. And, and how would you describe him who is with us? Well, in so many ways, but let me point out what Matthew draws us to, because when he points to Isaiah 7, to a Jewish reader, that Isaiah 7 is a part of a unit, that goes from Isaiah 7, Isaiah 8, Isaiah 9. And so when he points to Isaiah 7 with this idea of a virgin conceiving a child in Isaiah 7, it also ties this thread to this other messianic prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 of the child being born to us. And in Isaiah chapter 9, you see that this is is who Emmanuel is. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So I want you to think about who he is with you. Think about who he is with you. What does that do? I mean, it changes everything. Prince of Peace is with you. Mighty God is with you. Wonderful Counselor is with you. Everlasting Father. So you have Jesus and you have Emmanuel in this passage. They become the themes. One name describes what he does, the Lord saves. The other describes who he is, he's with us. One name is tied to his forgiveness, the other is tied to his presence. And another way of seeing the beauty of this passage is this, is that Jesus meets us in our sin for the purpose of saving us from our sin. Jesus meets us in our sin for the purpose of saving us from our sin. Jesus meets us, it's Emmanuel, the purpose of saving us, which is Jesus came to save. God with us, coming to us to rescue us, to bring us salvation. But don't miss this idea. The rescue is for the relationship. That the heartbeat of Jesus has always been about him dwelling with his people. It's a thread through the whole story. All of Scripture. But sin is that thing that separates us. And He does all that He can and, and all that He needs to to, to to bring us out of that sin but so that we might be a part of his presence. And the, God's presence with his people is the core and the pattern of the whole story. It's God's presence is that which marks the Christian life. God's presence is that which makes Christianity unique from all other religions, and it makes Yahweh unique from all other gods. That Yahweh is with his people, and you see it all through the garden. He's with his people, Adam and Eve. You see it in the Revelation where he's gonna dwell with his people. In Matthew chapter 1, the name of Jesus is God with us. And in Matthew chapter 28, guess what he ends the book with, Matthew? He says, hey, go into the world, but lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. John chapter 1, the word becomes flesh. But John chapter 14, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm going to give you my spirit who will be with you and who will be in you. God's presence is linked. Do you think that God's presence with us is? Transform situations. Like think about, think about like the situation you're in right now, and just the just the simple reality that God is with you. What's that do? So think about think about how it infuses confidence and strength that our God is with us. God's presence transforms everything. You know, there's this moment first. One of the first messages I ever gave, I was, I was asked to preach, I was a college student. I, it was at a, uh, a homeless shelter in Chicago, and I had never preached before, and honestly, I was scared to death. The day before, I scrapped my notes. The next day, I wrote some more and scrapped those too. It was about an hour before I went to the homeless shelter, um, and I just don't know what. I'm shaking, I am feel like I'm gonna throw up, I, but I am going, and at this particular Homeless shelter during the service, they asked the person preaching to come on stage. So for the whole worship set, I'm up on stage, there's no way I can write notes, there's no way I can hide. But about a minute before it's my time to kind of stamp to the to the pulpit, there was this supernatural peace. Scripture talks about that. The supernatural peace that comes over, and I had clarity. It wasn't the greatest message ever, but, but, it, but it wasn't about the message. There was this moment where in that moment, I felt God's presence. And when you feel God's presence, it, it, it changes everything, and it makes you know what the main thing is about. It's about Him. And even to this day, I remember that moment. And I go, God's present. And may you know that today. But think about God's forgiveness if Jesus had not come, we'd be left in our sin, we'd be condemned, we'd, we'd have no hope. I'm not sure where your mind goes when you start to think about God's forgiveness and the beauty of his salvation. Um, but the image that came to my mind this week as I thought about his forgiveness, there's this, this obscure story in Zechariah chapter 3. It's an Old Testament book, Zechariah chapter 3. Make a note of it. It's an, it's ama- it's an amazing story. But in this story... God, God gives Zechariah vision and, and, and there's, this, there's this high priest named Joshua and he's standing kind of kind of there and Satan, the accuser, is standing, and scripture says in Zechariah 3 that he's accusing Joshua. But then the Lord shows up, and the Lord says, I reject your accusations. The Lord says this to Satan, he says, I. The one who have chosen Joshua rebuke you, and then he calls the angels, and they and he looks at Zechariah or the, at Joshua in the vision. He says, "Take off his filthy rags, as he was dressed in filthy rags, and I, and put on new, put on new clean clothes." And so he dresses Joshua in this moment. And I love this image of God's grace, this beautiful image of the way God, God, God steps into all the accusations. I don't know about you, but in my sin, I can remember, I can feel, I can know all the guilt, all the shame, all the stuff that comes with my sin. But I found myself thinking this week, what if God didn't show up in that story? Like I know it was a vision given, but, but what if God doesn't show up then we're left there and the accusations of the evil one which are totally justified because we are sinful we are guilty we do we do deserve wrath if he doesn't show up we're left there and I just hope that this Christmas season you and I will remember he doesn't leave us there that's what the story is that he comes and says I'm gonna I'm gonna I know your sin and I'm still gonna come and I'm gonna rescue you And some of us in this room today need to know that your sin is forgiven. Your sin can be forgiven. Jesus is our savior. Jesus is with us and I need him. But listen, sometimes we can hear that message and just think really, really specifically in our world. But I want you to think about that other person. They they also need to hear about God's presence. They also need to hear about God's forgiveness. That we need to help others find and follow Jesus. And so, in this, this season, man, may we feel God's presence, God's forgiveness, but may we think about others as well because Jesus is not a way, Jesus is the way. And he's called us to be his advocates, to be his missionaries, to be his representatives, to be his ambassadors wherever we go and may we watch for that. Because other people are feeling those same things that we talked about and they don't know where to go. But again, Jesus is savior, he saves, that's what he does. And so may we, this Christmas season, remember this. Because we need him. And may that, I think, keep everything else in perspective. Hey, would you do me this honor? Would you pray with me as I close? Lord Jesus, we can say you're our Lord. We can say you're our Savior. We thank you for being present. I pray for anyone in this room now that again needs to to not only feel your presence, but but would you draw them to believe it in a stronger way today? Scripture says that it's simply by our faith that we're saved. We trust you. We receive the gift of Christ. But God, I pray that you'd help us to filter out all the other things that could get in the way and help us again just to, to cling to you who have rescued us. We love you, and we thank you. Amen.
1: to set the captives free, come to set the captives free, come to set us free.
0: Thank you all again for just being here and for coming. We know it's not by accident. We believe that God has you here this morning. And hey, I did just want to take a moment here at the end, just to, as the care pastor, just just mention a couple things. You know, we know that this season, Christmas, man, it has all the, the different parts of it, as we talked about. But we also know for some, it can be a heavy season. And I just want you to know that as a church and as a care, a pastor care ministry leader, I just, I just want you to know that, that it's our heartbeat that we we love to walk with you. The phrases that have been coming to my mind is that we want to pray, we want to help, and we want you to know that. And we have care teams, we have people in our church volunteers that also have that same heartbeat as well. And so, please do not hesitate. To, to reach out to us, to so let us know. Um, and, and you can do that in so many ways. And actually, there's an email going out this afternoon that will just talk more about care and about how to reach out to us. Or if you're interested in care teams, being a part of that team, we'd love that too. So anyway, just wanted to mention that. And also, so one of the ways you respond this morning is if you do need prayer we'd love to invite you up. And you'll notice our care team members with this yellow lanyard will be, there'll be me and one other person up here at the end. We'd love to pray with you. Um, also, after the service, don't forget, we'd love to meet you at Connection Point. We'd love to shake your hand if you're visiting and answer any questions you'd have. And also, um, we'd love it if you wanna give. Uh, giving uh, is an act of worship, and you can always give at newst.us slash give, or you can give in our offering boxes on your way out. Hey, so glad you're here. Would you do this. Would you extend your hands for this benediction? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, New
1: City. Have a great day.